live and pre-recorded. This is the Red Ticket Blues Podcast. I am Brian Buckley. This is being recorded on May 16th. They hit the internets on May 17th. This show and all the other shows from the beginning of time of the Red Ticket Blues Podcast can be found on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, YouTube, and Google Play. And hey, you want to follow me because I'm hilarious on at Brian Buck 13 and at Red Ticket Blues. So this week we switched it up a little bit. Normally I have a sports media guest on Thursdays for those people who are new to the show. But this week I will be traveling later, later this week. So what I did was we had the sports media guest early. We're going to have it on Tuesday. So this week's guest is John Jastrzemski. He's a sports talk show host at WFAN and at CBS Sports. Um, we get into how he got involved in the business and what it's like doing national versus local and some some other issues. And of course, the sports going on in New York. So enough of me. Let's get to the podcast. He is a sports talk show host for WFAN and CBS Sports Network. Uh, he is John Jastrzemski. John, welcome to the Red Ticket Blues podcast. Brian, my pleasure. Happy to be on. I'm glad I have a little bit of a voice after doing five straight shows and being a lunatic and playing some men's league baseball and like zero hours of sleep. But I'm good enough to chat with you. I'm glad to be on. Let's have some fun. What's going on? I'm very happy. It, you know, it, it happens. You, you you have a busy schedule, and I appreciate you making time and it's all those things going on. So let's. I, I here's a question from Twitter, and uh, I think you're familiar with this Twitter follower, disgusted n y e r. Uh, he wants to know, John Jastrzemski, how come New York teams stink? Our uh, good buddy Leslie in Fort Lee, one of my favorite, favorite callers. And, uh, I don't really know how you answer that question, but I just... This, <laughs> is, this is what you call the life of John Jastrzemski, or the life of any host over at WFAN, who is, you know, just going to throw you a curveball, regardless of what time of the year it may be. Well, the Mets, who were in the World Series last year, they stink because they lost four in a row and right. they lost three straight to the Colorado Rockies. And that's the, the thing about this business, Brian. It's a balance of trying to give, you know, your opinionated take and be fair about a situation. But you don't want to sound like a lunatic when the team loses three or four games that the season's coming to an end. It's funny, uh, you know, uh, you got your start here with uh... – well, you didn't get your start. You got your start with WFAN through the Fantasy Phenom, and a lot of people who enter the Phenom have no experience whatsoever. They're sort of just saying, eh, what the hell, I'll go for it. You were a little different. You had an amount of experience that, that was pretty substantial. So I guess in the words of Joe Benengo, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, bro? Yeah, um, so I graduated Syracuse 2010. Syracuse has an unbelievable broadcasting program, but I tell people this all the time, Bri. I got so much more experience by doing shows at the student radio stations where we would do Syracuse post game for football and basketball. We'd have full lines of calls. We'd come on right after the game for football. They give us a player interview. So it was really a big deal for that community. Like even though it's students and the 20, 21 year old kids, you were kind of the authority on anything that's going on in a pretty, pretty big college town. I know we're not talking about New York city or Boston or Los Angeles, but when you talk about Syracuse, the Orangemen for football and basketball, it's a pretty big deal. So doing those shows, going to the Big East tournament, um, doing my general Saturday morning show where we go from Friday happy hour from about 3 to 11 at night. I'd get like five hours of sleep. I'd go to Starbucks, get my shot of espresso, and boom, I'm ready to go and do two hours of radio. Um, that was like great experience for me in getting into this business. And Maybe I was a bit misguided. Maybe I was just naive to the whole situation coming out of college with how difficult it was going to be to find a job. But I kind of was 
under the assumption, okay, I went to Syracuse. I was able to do a pretty good job for two-plus years. It's very, very competitive up here. I'm going to be able to find something on the air. And I went about 10 months out of college without a job in the sports radio business. And I'm a finalist for a couple of jobs. I'm not going to mention the city so I don't get in any trouble in that sort of regard. Understandable. But, um, yeah, I don't want to blow their spot. But I, I was sending demo tapes essentially all over the 50 states of America. I was willing to work anywhere. I would have worked in Buffalo. I would have worked in uh, Washington. You give me the small pound, I would have found my way if they gave me a microphone and they just paid me a little bit of money to do the shows. But long story short, 10 months in, I'm doing some sports writing down the Jersey Shore, covering high school baseball games, which was fun. I really enjoyed it. It was a fun summer. I was down the beach every day. I would go to baseball games. I'd write my story and then see what I wanted to do with the rest of my night. But uh, I saw FAN, and I was always a big FAN guy. I'd listen to the station all the time. It was always my dream job to eventually get on WFAN. And I saw that they were having a phenom contest, and I said, i got to go out for this. i got nothing to lose. Why the hell not? One thing leads to another. It goes from about, I don't know, 500,000 people down to 50 people. And then once I got the call from Chernoff that I was going to be on Mike's show, down at Ball Ray. That was like a huge deal to me. Like, not even thinking about winning the actual contest, I just kind of looked at it in the grand scheme of, okay, it's a demo tape. I'm going to be on TV. People I'm will be on see radio. me. Exactly. Exactly. Like, this is going to be very good for my brand. This is just going right. to be very good for me. Then I watched the other four guys go, and I said, all right, you know, I, if I do a good job here, I got a pretty good shot. And then you look up, dude, and I don't know if you've ever been down at Ball Ray and the way they set not. it up they kind of put you up on like a little bit of a platform where Mike does the show and you're kind of like looking out at the crowd. And I got up and I was very relaxed the entire day. My sister was with me, which is chilling. I'm on my computer, um, exchanging all sorts of texts, tweets, all that good stuff. But when you actually get up there and you see all the people, you're like, holy crap, man. There's <laughs> a lot of goddamn people here. And I'm not even thinking about the amount of people who are listening and watching on Yes at the time, but End up doing my little two-minute rant. Had David Robertson on. Judges said I was the best. And I was like, all right, we'll see what happens. They said I was the best, but you don't want to get your hopes up. And then right. you end up winning the thing. It was unbelievable. Did you have any idea, like when you got involved, when you said, oh, look, the Fantasy Phenom, I've seen that before. Did you say, I, I can win this thing or, eh, what the hell, I'll give it a shot? Yeah, I went out for the first year, to be honest. And I don't know if a lot of people know that. Went out the first year, made it through the round of 50, and then they break it down into groups of 10, and I didn't end up making it. And I was a little bit pissed off about the fact. I'm not going to lie to you. I said, geez, I thought I was the best one in the group. And I thought I should have been there, but I wasn't. And I said, you got to keep going out for something like this because it's really a no-lose situation. It's not like you're losing anything by auditioning. So, yeah, I saw the contest, and I was like, this is perfect for me. I have the experience. I have the background. Let's try to make the most of it. You know, sports radio is not for everyone. Uh, obviously, for me and you, it is. Uh, sports radio, specifically WFAN, it's, it's, it's a community, and especially the overnights. Now, the JJ After Dark, you're working a lot of overnights, and it's a really tight-knit community. Any person that's worked those shifts will tell you. Were you accepted with uh, open arms with the, uh, com the community, so to speak, or was it a gradual process to get to know these people and them really accept the JJ After Dark brand, like you said? That's a really, really good question. I would say it's a mixed bag. Um, I think when I first came on the air, 
I do this sort of show where, yeah, I'll let the caller definitely get their piece. And I think I'm pretty judicious and fair where I give the callers a good amount of time when I do an overnight show, especially when we don't have a lot of spots. But at times, I'm going to blow a caller up when they say something stupid. I'm going to take them to task. I'm going to yell at them at need be. And I think when I first started, there were some people from the overnight audience who maybe were a little bit taken aback by that. I didn't really care, but... It is what it is. So you had some that maybe thought I was a little too brash and a little too young to be hosting on the radio station. But, hey, that's their problem. But then I had another group of people who was great from the get-go, who really appreciated my passion, who really appreciated my enthusiasm. And I would say that was like 60 to 70% of the overnight audience. And then that other 25 to 30%, I've kind of taken them under my wing. and They've kind of just come to the J.J. After Dark cult, if you will, Bri, like, I did an appearance, actually, it's funny, um, at a Home Depot about a month ago, and this older woman comes up to me, and she was like, i got to be honest with you, JJ, when you first started, I thought you were a crazy person. I, I, I didn't really get you, and now I have to admit, I listen to you every night. I love your show. I think you're amazing, and you're one of my favorite people to host at the radio station. So it just shows you, man, that some people, you you got to be on for at least six months to a year, or maybe even two to three years before they really get used to you because everybody's kind of ingrained in the same people being on FAN all the time. Yeah, the exactly. same voices being heard all the time. So sometimes when you hear a new guy, it, it's just weird for some people and, and maybe it just takes some time. But here we are, Brian, almost five years later and still kicking. I'm not going to lie. I was one of those people when you first started. I thought, you know what? I don't, I'm not sure about this guy. And I think it's exactly what you said. I mean, there's so little movement, uh, especially on a station like WFAN. I'm like, I, I don't know about this guy. But the more I've listened to you, I think you're one of the best on the station. Uh, in fact, I think you should be we should get a lot more airtime uh, so everyone can hear it. We'll put it that way. Uh how can you maintain, like, so you're, you talk about how you blow callers up, and you, you gave a fiery Yankee monologue a few weeks ago. How do you maintain that much energy late at night? Dude. Is your performance enhanced? It's BME. I, no, there's no substances that are being used. I may have a cup of coffee here or there. Okay. I'm just a crazy person. That's really the best way to put it, Brian. I am energetic. I am zany. I will sleep for three to four hours, some days seven to eight hours, and... I'm ready to go in there and just take names and kick ass. That's just the way I view sports radio. I'm not one of these guys, and you'll. if I ever get to this point, it's time for me to get it out of the business where I seem like I'm mailing it in. You'll never get that from me. I try to go in. I try to give it my very best. I'm not going to fake enthusiasm because right. that's just not the kind of person I am. I just think that's my personality. That's my nature, and I try to bring it across that way on the air. You know, uh, what was I going to say? Um... At what point, so you're working there, and uh, that, that energy, oh, what I was going to say is, you know, I used to work third shift, too, obviously not in the same field, and I wasn't even trying to entertain people, and I had trouble staying awake. So I really admire you um, being able, in the wee hours of the nights, taking some of the calls, and I'm not going to trash your audience, but, you know, some of the calls, that they're, they're a little out there uh, at that hour of the night. So that's a great job out of you, and... Only a few cups of coffee, like that. That's that's pretty good. I mean, I, I need about five or six. No, to just here's get the, the deal, though, Brian. You gotta like find a rhythm too. Like, I'll bounce around, as you know, with my schedule between mm-hmm. FAN, CBS, where I'll go from doing an overnight and then the following night I'm hosting like from six to ten p.m. And you make it work. 
But when you get in that rhythm of hosting overnights, five nights a week, you, you, you find a nice pattern. You go to bed right. at like seven in the morning. You get up anywhere from one to two o'clock in the afternoon. And you go from there. When I bounce around, that's when everything gets all out of whack. But you make it work. You'll sleep two hours here. You'll sleep three hours here. And it's worth it because you love what you do. Right, right. No, I, it, you're, you're living the dream, like you say. Um, let's see. So CBS Sports Network, you mentioned that. Now, at what point did CBS management come to you and say, listen, you know, this, this phenom, you know, the idea with the phenom, for people that don't know, you get a year of your own show. What, when did they approach you and say, listen, we, we like what you, you're doing here. We want to keep you on full time and maybe even get you involved in the CBS Sports Network, which is the national CBS sports show. That's a really good question. Um, so, as you know, that Phenom contest is one year. And I noticed probably by about halfway through, you know how it works where it's literally one day a week for two hours. But I noticed come holiday time and once the winter time hit where I was like four or five months in, they started giving me more and more work as far as filling shifts and overnight here and overnight there. And I was loving it. I was like, all right, good. They're giving me more exposure. They're giving me more airtime. This is really, really good. And there was never really a formal conversation at the end of the one year. It was just like, JJ, we like what you're doing. We don't have anything for you on a full-time basis at the moment, but we're going to continue to have a pretty good amount of fill-in shifts for you if that makes you happy. And I was like, yeah, it's WFAN. This is where you want to be. Um, I'm not going to look to go anywhere for the time being. So I'm just going to keep building my brand here. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I ended up picking up finally a permanent Saturday into Sunday overnight where, as you know, when we have open nights, when people take off, um, when they're shuffling in the schedule, that's when they work me in where it's two days here, four days here, three days here, five days here. But at least I know every Saturday, Sunday night, no matter what's going on, I'm going to be on the air. And essentially how it worked with CBS Sports Network or CBS Sports Radio is very simple. Um, they launched, as you know, in January of 2013. So I was probably at FAN at this point by about a year, year and a half. So as the network was launching, one of my bosses over at FAN, Eric Spitz, got the nod to run CBS Sports Radio. So I sent him an email, just very casually, just mentioned it to him. Hey, congrats on a new job. Very happy for you. Um, as far as filling shifts, I would very much like to be in the mix for when something comes available over at CBS Sports Radio. And, of course, Eric gave me the very casual, I already had you in mind, which is great. So I'm glad yeah. to know that bosses like me, which is, which is key. Although sometimes I probably drive them crazy, but hopefully they don't want to admit that on record. So, you know, I started that January 2013, the network launched, and by February, I was pretty much filling in all over the place, doing the overnight shows over there, doing Pharrell's show, doing um, Damon and Mandalora's show, or at the time was the Mojo show. So it was just, you know, shift after shift after shift, and obviously got to have flexibility, got to make sure that I can work it around FAN, but they do a really good job of that because everybody's on the same floor and everybody's in the same building. So for me, it's the best of both worlds. I get the chance to do local radio at FAN and then get to do national radio, which is something, Brian, I never in a million years thought I would do, but I really enjoy it. It's a different challenge for me, but it's a very different type of show. And it's great when you're on in like 50 or 60 different affiliates, including some really big cities like Boston, Washington and Los Angeles and Dallas. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah, so l- l- let me ask you about that. You know, I had uh, your your your, co- your colleague Chris Moore on uh, on the podcast a while ago, and I asked him the same question because he sort of does the same thing you do. He'll work with CBS Sports Radio and WFAN shifts here and there. What are the biggest challenges from doing a local show uh, as compared to a national show? It's very different. When you do a New York-centric show, you know that the local teams are always going to drive the conversation. Yankees, Mets during the baseball season. Giants, Jets during football, Knicks, um, Rangers during the playoffs, whatever the case may be. You'll mix in national stories, especially I will when I do fan shows, because I'm just, I think, much more cognizant of what's going on, whether it's Steph Curry, whether it's the NCAA tournament. I I just like doing the big picture sometimes on FAN, but I realize that you got to hammer the local stuff, and the local stuff will always get you calls, and it will always get your reaction. But... When you do national, you got to figure out, okay, what general storylines are really going to get people tuned in, locked in, and captivated. You know what I mean? You have to be on top of college football, I assume, because it's a non-story, basically. Oh, no question. People don't realize that, Brian. NFL is number one nationwide. I would argue college football might even be ahead of the NBA. And that's another thing. A lot of people who work at FAN – would say, okay, you go on a national show, you can do wall-to-wall baseball. Nonsense. If you try to do baseball for three or four hours on the network, you will have dead full-ons. You will have zero reaction. Unless you have something like this Odor Bautista thing, or you have something about Bryce Harper, you got to find those lightning rod topics that you can get reaction on both sides of the fence. But if you just try breaking down like the standings, all like the, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies are off to a great start. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Um, but, like, in the NBA, you can get into the players, right, because you right. have Curry. You have LeBron. They're always going to gravitate attention towards those specific players. Baseball doesn't have as much of that. So you realize you're going to do a lot more college football. You're going to do a lot more NBA. You're going to do a lot less baseball. You have to approach it differently. Um, I tease a lot more. I'm not a huge guy for teasing on FAN. I'll do it. Uh, But sometimes when you're doing four hours of Yankees and Mets, it's very hard to get creative. And the New York audience is just not looking for crazy, crazy teases, in my opinion. It's just not. It's just not that sort of audience. But when you're doing a show in 50 different markets, you kind of want to appeal to everybody. You're not going to be able to appeal to Boise, Idaho. I get that. But somebody may be listening saying, okay, they're down in D.C. He's been doing two hours of NBA talk going to mention Bryce Harper. The guy's been kicking ass. He's hit five home runs this week. He's telling the umpire, F you. That's the sort of thing where you say, okay, coming up next on a busy show, Bryce Harper making baseball fun again. Just by mentioning that, you feel like you're including everybody. So I'm more cognizant of that for sure when I'm doing a network show. This may be a total non-issue, um, but after what you were just saying, you, you pronounce Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper. Now, you have a pronounced New York accent, and I'm, I'm sure you probably agree with, with extreme amount of pride. Was there, Were your superiors worried about putting you on, like CBS, the sports radio, the national radio, with such an accent? Because, listen, we're all one country, but some places are deeply divided, and a lot of people don't like New York. Great question. It's a great point. Um, I got an interesting piece of advice when I was at college from one of the best in the business, Bob Costas. I think we can both agree. Costas is a legend. Uh, 
one day I can make maybe uh, one hundredth of what he's made in his career over at NBC. I asked him because I was never one of these guys, Brian, that wanted to change my accent. I'm very proud of where I'm from. This is the way I sound. I'm a unique kind of character. So, like, I never had plans on changing the way I speak. But I asked Costas about it. I said, look, you know, sports radio, is it something you would consider? He goes, no, I think you need to be you, and I think that matters. And thankfully, my superiors have never, and I quote, never given me a hard time about the way I speak. And quite frankly, a lot of times on network, I get tweets and comments from people saying, love the accent, love the way you sound, you're unique, you're different, and we just appreciate the content that you bring to the table. And and ultimately, Brian, that's what should matter. The way you bring your show to the forefront, the topics you're discussing. Yeah, you may have a rough around the edges voice. Maybe your grammar at times is not going to be perfect like you're in a, a theology class or like you're in philosophy 191. You want to sound like an everyday guy. That's what I try to do. I, right. I don't try to talk like I'm above people because you're not. You know what? You pe- people want to be able to relate to you, whether it's on a national level, whether it's on a local level. If you're relatable to the audience, it will work. That's that's actually great. I'm glad no one ever really gave you any real crap about that, any bosses or anything. That's that's actually good to hear. Um, you you we're, we're talking about New York, New York accent. So let, let's jump into some sports here. Now, a few weeks ago, I mentioned this, that you had a pretty fiery opening, ripping the Yankees. It was really good. And so the Yankees, they've won three series in a row now. Uh, I know how things work on sports radio. It's minute by minute. Uh, do you feel any different about the team now, or do they still look like they're going to be uh, bottom feeders when it's all said and done? Well, I'm a little bit more optimistic. But the Yankees still have a long way to go before they earn my trust back. They're still four games under 500. The starting rotation is a mess. The lineup is consistently inconsistent where they've been hitting well over the 7-3 and three homestand, a homestand that, quite frankly, was a season saver. They needed to have a big homestand. They did just that. And you want to have a relevant summer. I know that the bar has been lowered so considerably for the Yankees because four or five years ago, the team would be in the ALCS then they lose in four or five games, and it's like, oh, my goodness, this season is a colossal failure. So it shows you how times have changed. But they still have a long way to go. Um, I don't look at this team as an elite-level team. They can maybe get back in the mix. Would I pick them to make the postseason from what I've seen over the first month and change? No, Brian, I, I don't. And hopefully it's a season that has a lot more juice and picks up over the next couple months, but I'm not just going to let 10 games fool me over what I've seen over the last month and a half. I think I'm going to start asking every guest this. So you're the first one, all right? In terms of Alex Rodriguez, what is your best guess? What is A-Rod Corp? A-Rod Corp? You don't know? You don't even know anything about this? No, I don't. You got to enlighten me here. Okay, so there is a website www.arod.corp.com, and it's supposed to, you know it's going to be Alex Rodriguez's website. It's been under construction for I'd say I don't know about eight nine months, and he wears a jacket with that same insignia on it around. So I'm just trying to ascertain what exactly Arod Corp is all about. This is amazing. This is the first time I've ever heard about this. And you know I'm locked into everything. Oh, you got to check it out. Positively, no idea what you're talking about. And here's what I'm going to do. Because we're doing this podcast and I'm sitting here and I got my laptop right in front of me, 
the thing of beauty about technology is I go. can actually do this while I'm doing the podcast. So w- give me the uh, oh, it is okay. A-Rod Corp. What the hell is this? www.arod. Oh, shoot. Oh, man. I got I to gotta actually find it here now. Hold on. Well, I'll Google it. We got, yeah. we got Google. Google there the we beautiful go. thing. So what is it? A-Rod Corp? It's, it's www.arodcorp.com. Here we go. A-Rod Corp. And it what does it like say? It's like the logo of A-Rod hitting. Right. What Thank does it say? Thank you for visiting. Here we go. Here we go. How about this? We're breaking news on a podcast, by the way. To me, of all people, A-Rod Corp. Thank you for visiting. This is the website for A-Rod Corp. This site is being developed, and we welcome a return visit. <laughs> yeah, so he is wearing that jacket like two days ago, uh, the day that he gave out the bats at Yankee Stadium. What, yesterday? Was it yesterday or was it sa- No, Saturday. And uh, he's in the Bronx before meeting with people and everything, and he has a jacket with that same insignia on it. Interesting, interesting, interesting. <laughs> what exactly he's trying to do with a website, who the hell knows. I just know for the Yankees' sake, Brian, even though he's 40, pushing 41, they need that power bat in the middle of the order as soon as possible. They do. They do. They do. Um, so you're a Yankee fan, and the, the Mets, I mean, they're in a mini slump right now. They're in the World Series last year, but they're, they're still, they, start off, they start off the season so wonderful that it didn't really matter. So you're a Yankee fan. How difficult is it? to leave the fandom at the door when you have Mets fans calling in and crowing about the team or in any of the sports that you follow. I mean, you're a fan. You're, so how difficult is that listening to that? Um, it could be tough at times. It was a lot worse with the Jets and the Dolphins for me. Oh, that's you know, right. You're a Dolphins I'm fan. I'm a Dolphins fan. And honestly, one of the most painful shows I ever had to do. I don't know if you remember this. Going back to the 2013 season, the Dolphins were 9-5. and five. They were coming off unbelievable back-to-back wins over the Steelers and the Patriots. And I'm thinking, oh, geez, this team's finally turned the corner. They're finally going to get into the playoffs. They're finally going to give me a reason to smile in January. They get shut out by the Bills. But even with that shutout, they had a winning-in scenario with standing in their way, Geno Smith, Rex Ryan, and the New York Jets. And the Jets beat the Dolphins, knocked my team out of the playoffs. I got to go in and host the overnight at 2 o'clock in the morning. I was crushed. I was devastated. It was, it, it was painful. But it was a platform for me to vent. So I was not in good spirits, obviously, going in and doing the show. And it's not like doing the show made things any easier. But at least it was my outlet to yell and scream and just do the sort of things I'd be doing anyway. But I actually had an audience listen to my frustration. The Mets going to the World Series – Honestly, Brian, I thought it was cool. Like, I wasn't okay. rooting for them. Uh, uh, full disclosure here, because, as you know, I'm a betting man, and I had a few shekels on the Cubbies and their series price, and I made those shekels back by taking the Royals and their series price. But the Mets being in the World Series, it made the shows that much more entertaining. So I, I look at it from that way. Like, am I a Mets fan? No. Am I going to be waving pom-poms for the New York Mets? No. But I'll be fair with any of these teams, Brian. Obviously, I root against certain teams. But just because I root against a certain team, like I root against the New York Jets, am I going to come on the air and say Ryan Fitzpatrick sucks and Brandon Marshall didn't have a good year when we all know that Fitzpatrick threw for 30 touchdowns and Brandon Marshall was unbelievable? Of course not. I'm going to be fair with the audience. So, yeah, I'm going to have certain allegiances 
to sports teams, then I'm never going to give those allegiances away. But it doesn't mean I won't be fair with a specific group. That that's uh, that's tough. Um, I, I realize that I, th- I think a, a lot of people you hear people say, "Well, I, I could do a sports radio show," and, and you know, I, I could definitely do it. But going into the studio and not being, you know, discombobulated because of calls like that, I think is a lot easier said than done. So that's a good job out of you. Uh, the other thing I want, the other New York team I want to talk about, the team stinks, and uh, it's not even in season. But what, in your opinion, what are the New York Knicks doing? I wish I could give you. It's, an yeah, it's a pretty broad question. question. Yeah, I wish I could give you an answer. Aside from Porzingis and the draft pick, Jackson's tenure has been an embarrassment of epic proportions. I have no idea what he's trying to do. I don't understand why they are so hell bent on this ludicrous, stupid triangle offense. It's like all of a sudden the triangle offense made Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and made Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant look. Phil Jackson had great success with the Bulls. He had great success with the Lakers. They didn't win a darn thing before he got there, but Phil Jackson doesn't have MJ and Pippen. He doesn't have Shaq and Kobe. So you need to get players in here. You need to get a coach in here. I want to actually give you a piece of optimistic news on the the Knicks. I mentioned this yesterday during the show. The fact that they're actually interviewing guys like Frank Vogel and Jeff Hornacek, that's a good thing because these are guys who know how to coach. If they bring in somebody who is actually a bona fide, legitimate NBA head coaching candidate, I, I don't care who it is. As long as it's not Karambas, Brian, hallelujah, praise Jesus, because I can't sit through a year with Karambas and the Knicks giving me another reason to just throw him right down the toilet as the season starts. My final question, and yeah, I, the, the, the Knicks, a once proud franchise, not a lot of championships to back it up, but you know, the last 10 or 15 years have just been rough. And now, what, what, what is it all about anymore now? Now it's just all, all sorts of just smoke signals coming from the garden with Carmelo and, and Dolan. And Do- for once, Dolan is not the most hated man in Madison Square Garden, so relish that moment, I think. And Isn't it amazing, Brian, <laughs> that Knicks fans now are calling people like me and calling the radio station saying that they should have James Dolan have more of an active role on the team when for 10 or 15 years, oh, everybody get, away. get out of the way. Just let him do, let somebody run the team and do whatever they want. Well, he's doing that now with Phil Jackson, and the results, they haven't been pretty. No, no, they've been very uh, – they, they haven't even been similar. I'd say they've been worse, which is hard to believe, I think. But my final question for you, John Jastrzemski, is why did you deflate Tom, Brady, Tom Brady's footballs? Uh, no comment. No comment. You're going to have to ask my friends up in New England. I don't want to get in any trouble. So I know Tommy's got a, a legal battle he's fighting right now, and Tommy wants to be on the field week two against my Dolphins. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's a Dolphin conspiracy theory. Uh, maybe I'm just buddy-buddy. Who You'll never know, Brian. I, I keep that information close to the best. How, how brutal was the reaction on Twitter? Did, did, did people give you crap that John Jastrzemski actually defl- deflated the footballs there in New England? It was just more playful than anything. Oh, okay, else. I wasn't there, sure it was if some not people really, like serious. No, nobody actually thought I was the guy deflating the football, so I didn't hear it from any New England fans or any football fans around the league. Because people look at my profile and they're like, "Oh, you're a sports radio host. You're not working for the New England Patriots." So it was more good natured and good fun, okay. but nothing to the "Oh my God, I hate you. I'm gonna kill you." No death threats were sent to my house. At least none of that I know, I'm aware of. So I, th- I think we're all right. I want to thank John Jastrzemski for coming on the Red Ticket Blues podcast. But before you go, I have three quick questions to play us out. You ready? Let's do it. 
All right, number one, what is the craziest phone call or trade proposal you've ever heard? Wow. Wow, that's a good one. That's a good one. I wish I had like three years to think about this because I get one on like a regular basis. Um, I'm going to think of one that I got like a month ago. And it's probably not the craziest just because I can't remember some of the loony and crazy trade proposals that I've gotten over the last five years. How about the idea of trading Matt Harvey for Dellen Batances? I think that's pretty crazy. Right? <laughs> Straight up. Although in the grand scheme, I think we've heard much worse because yeah. normally Met fans and we have this one caller. I forget his name. He, he just gives me these stupid, asinine, ridiculous trade proposals. I think – one of them was like Lucas Duda, Zach Wheeler, and Wilmer Flores for Paul Goldschmidt. I'm like, dude, try again. Stop it. Do you Stop like it. trade but, proposals? Um, they're fun. Sometimes I actually get good. In all fairness, Brian, you actually will get a good amount of decent trade proposals from callers. But then you get ones where everybody's just trying to rip the other team off, and it doesn't work. Right. Uh, number two, have you ever owned a pair of Jordans? I have. I absolutely have owned a pair of Michael Jordan sneakers, no doubt. Okay. And number three, who is the one person you want to interview interview above everyone else? Wow, that's a good question. If I could have one person on the show. That's right. It one person. Be, it would not be a boring interview. I would probably – see, I met Dan Marino. If I hadn't met Dan Marino, I would have said Dan Marino, hands down. But I think the current or former athlete I'd want to interview, Peyton Manning. That'd be interesting. Peyton Manning. Just because okay. he's so smart, knows the game so well, he knows the position so well. Uh, Peyton Manning. Yeah, that would be my guy. I, I think most people, Brian, would give you the Tiger Woods answer or the Alex Rodriguez answer. I think Francesca said that Alex, today with Tiger Woods. Francesca said the same yeah, thing. Yeah, Tiger too. Woods would be the one that a lot of people would tell you. And A-Rod probably would have been my choice. But I also think A-Rod's not going to comment on any of steroid stuff. So because of the fact that he's not going to comment, the interview wouldn't be as juicy. So I'd rather talk about the intricacies of a position, what guys he likes, schemes, how he goes about preparation. I'd say Peyton Manning. That's a good answer. Good answer. He is John Jastrzemski, WFAN Sports Talk Show host and CBS Sports Talk Show host. You can follow him on Twitter at John underscore Jastrzemski. He has a nice blue verified check mark. John, Don't ask how that happened, Brian. I wish I know the answer. I have no idea. Be happy. Keep up the good work. JJ After Dark. John, thanks a lot. Brian, a pleasure. There he was. That's John Jastrzemski. I hope everyone enjoyed it. I did it. He's a very he's a very likable, down-to-earth guy. It was it was a lot of fun. And JJ After Dark is a great uh, show to listen to if you have the opportunity. So remember where you can find this lovely podcast. It's on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, YouTube, and Google Play, and... Uh, I'll try to be doing another podcast on a Wednesday. It's, again, traveling this week. The schedule's all messed up. So the best way so you don't miss an episode is to subscribe. And if you haven't left a rating it wherever you're listening to it yet, then what are you waiting for? Seriously, do I have to, to, to beg? I'll beg. I've done it before. I'll, I'll continue doing it. I appreciate it. Uh, follow me on Twitter at BrianBuck13 and at RedTicketBlues. Remember to do all those things. And everyone, enjoy yourself. I'm out of here.